Spiritual gifts, okay. We thought if we hit you twice when that something might sink in. Okay? No offence, but I'm working on how it hits me. I need it more like three, four, five times. Okay? So I'm presuming that you're much better than I am and you only need it twice. Okay? Um, hopefully we can, uh, in these two weeks, unpack a little bit about what you have been looking at. Now, it has a lot to do with this survey that hopefully you would have got twice. Um, if you have not got it, I have some paper copies that you might like to fill it in. The only difference between this and the one on the uh, internet that you would have got through email is that you have to fill in your own numbers and calculate yourself, okay? That was the problem with the first one, by the way. It was the calculation, not the questions. The second one calculated correctly, okay? So uh, if you need those, I have them here or they're at the uh, front door on your way out. Grab one, okay? Um, then we'd love you to be able to take that last page, which is really the calculation page, and take that to your life groups, which is starting tomorrow night, Monday. It's the first night of the fortnight. Take that with you and we want you to discuss that process, okay? Your life group leaders already have the resource for the night and uh, we'll be able to talk about it, unpack it and see what it's all about, okay? Look, I'll show you... A, I love this verse. I've used it many times. I'm going to use it again because this is a verse of hope for me. Now, this is Jesus speaking, okay? And he says this, Nevertheless, I tell you, I tell you the truth, okay? Now, as if he has to remind us that. I mean, we know that he doesn't lie, but he's going to just make sure that you know this. I'm going to tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, and that helper is who? Holy Spirit, yeah, the paraclete is the word used in the Greek. The helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says it's to your advantage that I go back into heaven so that I can send the third person of the Trinity to you. I will send the Holy Spirit to live and indwell each one of you. And that is your advantage. Some of the versions it says it's for your good. And it is. He is for our good. And I don't think we tap into who he is in us and use that advantage that we have enough. We benefit and gain because we have internal help. And that uh, testimony that uh, was just sung is about that. I am in over my head. I need help. Well, you have an advantage. You have him that lives in you. God, by the way. God lives in you, the Holy Spirit. And he will help you to live in the external world that you move around in. We have internal help for the external world. Now, the advantage we receive, he does at, these, at least these three levels. He probably does more, but I'm going to just speak about these three. Personally, he, he works in your own transformation. Okay, which is a great thing. You know, this grub becomes a butterfly. That's a good thing. Okay, I get to get into the cocoon and be transformed and come out the very thing that he wants on the other side. That's what Jesus does to me. And the Holy Spirit's in that process, bringing that about. He also assists us in our evangelism. The Holy Spirit helps you to speak to others. Now, he won't just give you the words. He'll actually give you the tap on the shoulder and say, why don't you go over and sit next to that person and talk to them? And this is actually what I want you to say. Wow, 
Okay, I want that kind of help because I don't normally think that way. In fact, I usually want to move away from people. You see, evangelism is not one of my gifts. But I'm happy to talk to people. So he helps me in that transition to do that. And the third one is he benefits Jesus' body, which is his church, here on earth. And it's for his growth. And this is the third point of really what we're looking at this morning. How it benefits, how does he benefit um, his body on earth? So, let me give you an illustration. Has anyone here ever built a house from scratch? Anyone here ever had that opportunity? Put your hand up nice and high. One, two, anyone else? Okay. Pardon? Your husband has. Okay, from scratch. Okay, so there's three. Now, that in itself is not an easy job. Building a house, I think, is no simple endeavour. But what I have noticed is that the rewards speak for themselves and you end up with this beautiful new home custom to your individual needs. You have. You didn't put your hand up. Oh, okay. You didn't actually build it. Okay. No. Have, I should, so have you overseen the building of a house? Ah, oh, okay. There you go. That's a, that's a good point. It is a good point. Um, look, I'm an electrician by trade, okay? I finished uh, in year 10 and I went and did four years and became an electrician and have worked on and off since then. So I haven't actually built a house, though I, I, I inherited a house once that was to lock-up stage, which means the, the walls and the roof were there, there was nothing inside it, and I built it from then on. But I've been involved in lots of building, okay? As an electrician, I've been in and out and up and down and under and through and all around houses and all of that with my trade. But constructing a house from scratch is a complex project and it involves many different professions to do it. Now, while the scale of the project might be huge, there's an entire industry involved of professional people to get this done. Okay? Now, depending on the complexity of the build, there can be at least 20 or more trades involved. And this is why I think most people who have ever had the opportunity to build a house or oversee the building of a house never do it twice. Usually when you have the conversation, I've talked to them often, that's enough, doing it once. That's right. It's enough because it's hard. You've got to bring all these people together the architect and the structural engineer, the draftsperson, the surveyor, the builder, the certifier, the excavator, electrician, a plumber and drainer, gas fitter, concreter, carpenter, bricklayer, waterproofer, plasterer, roofer, floor sander, tiler, painter, carpet layer, fencer, security, air conditioning, telecommunications, cabinet makers, wardrobe installers, pest controllers, landscapers, and I can actually think of more since I put that down. Then you bring all those people together and getting them to work together, it's something that's not easy. Let me, let me show you a video clip of what this might look like, okay? You right with that, Teddy? Okay.
Okay. That only took a minute and a half to build that house. That's the kind of house I want. <laughs> you know, in this high-packed volume life we live, a minute and a half is probably enough to get into a house. But when you've got to, you know, take all those things into, into account and build it over eight months, it's rather annoying. And that's why people go, I don't want to do this again. What's my point of all of this? Well, what I'm trying to say here in the midst of all of this is that God's church is where his heart is. Now, I don't know if you noticed that, that um, at the end of that video they said, they said something like, a Metricon home is more than the sum of its parts, which is true. You know, it's got wiring and plumbing and all those things, but it's more than the sum of its heart parts. It's where your heart is. And when God builds his church, when God puts his body together, that's where his heart is. And he will bring many people from different parts of his body to bring about the producing of his building, his body, his church. His temple is the other word he uses, isn't it? Which is his house on earth. And he will use many people with many gifts to bring that about. And that's what he does. God the Holy Spirit brings us together and we display what he wants us to look like. And just like there's many trades that are used in building a house, like you've just seen there, just like there's many trades in that, God equips his people with different gifts to build his house and to put it all together to enable his church to, to be built and, and, and to display it to the world. In your neighbourhood, on your street, we take God to the world around us. That's the church we are representing as people that walk out of these doors because it's not confined to the building. Someone said to me once, the church is what's left after the building's burnt down. I've got to be careful how I say that because one of my churches burnt down once and I don't want to be held accountable for that. But the church is what's left after the building's burnt down. Okay, That's us. We are his church. So as you can understand, it's good to know what's been given to you and the best way to be used uh, for his glory. So every member of God's church, I believe, has a vital function to perform. And therefore, being a member in Christ's body, and hear me correctly in this, is not like being a passenger on a bus. Being a member of Christ's body is not like being a passenger on a bus. You cannot be passive in Christ's body. You cannot be passive. In other words, you don't get to rock on into church on Sunday and then sit back and watch others do everything. It can't be that. Now, there is a proviso, and I want to say this very clearly, and you all need to hear this. At some point, God's church might need to be a hospital for you. Okay? You might need to just come and sit and receive because of the journey of where you're at in your walk with God. I'm not going to take that away from you. But for the majority of us, it's not like coming and sitting on a bus. Because, you see, what I love watching in, 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 in Christians, in, in people who follow Christ, is their growth. I, I love them discovering their spiritual gifts. And this is why we're, we're, we're running this gift survey to find out what your gifts are, because it's exciting to watch people grow into their gifts and to take that on and use this for both their own health 
and for the growth of the church. Now, what do I mean by their own health? I'm going to explain in a minute. But Paul tells it this way. Here will it go? Next one. Here it is. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, we're his tradies. We've got his tool belt on. He's given it to us, whatever that is. And we can do it because we're created in Christ Jesus for these good works that he wants from us. And he's prepared us these good works beforehand. He knows what he wants you to do. It's already been done. That you should walk in them. That's where we get to live it out. So this morning we're going to have a look at what he has given us. So let's quickly run through this. What is a spiritual gift? Well, it was explained to me this way and I think it does a good job. It's a special ability given by the Holy Spirit to every member of the body according to God's grace for use within the context of the church for God's glory. There's a five-part sermon right in that. A special ability, that's what a gift is. It's a special ability. Who's it come from? By the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. It's to every member of the body, so you can't be sitting there going, I don't have a gift. Sorry, you've got one. God's word tells us. It's according to God's grace, so his grace has given you this gift. You don't have, you've not chosen this. It's for use within the context of the church, so it's not about your use. You actually have it to use for the church, for us, for God's glory. And in you doing that for, for him in his church, you're actually glorifying him. Paul says it this way, there are different kinds of gifts, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. You see, it's the Holy Spirit that gives that to you. Who has spiritual gifts? Okay. Well, I think it's a case of all followers of Jesus have at least one or more gifts. And the word of God is very clear about this. We have at least one or more. Now, you would have done your survey, and I'm going to ask you to have a look at the top three primary and then the next three secondary when you look at those. But that's something you need to work through. Uh, which one is actually more predominant? You might have answered the question. I mean, it's only a questionnaire. It's, it's not the word of God here. It's fallible. And you might find that, oh, actually, the second one is really where I'm gifted, not the first. I've just answered it that way because I'm, there's a point between it. But what we need to do is work out what the gift is or the gifts that God has given you. And this is the process hopefully we will be doing in our both our life groups and when we meet together, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Um, but this is an important thing here. Gifts are received, not achieved. Okay, You're not out to achieve your gift. It is given to you. Okay, You don't have a gift. Like I'm not standing up here because... I have some done, you know, been to Bible college and have a degree. It, 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 I've worked hard to stand up on this platform. No, no, no. I might have worked hard. But the gift that I have in being up here is a gift. I didn't buy my gift. I didn't earn my gift. It's been given to me and I get to use the gift for the edification of the church. Okay? So it is received, not achieved. They are specific, they're specifically given by the Holy Spirit. You don't get them because you're good. You don't get them because you're better than other people. You don't get them because you have some special ability. 
And you don't get them because you're highly spiritual. Okay? They are just given. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, which is the gifts, is given for the common good. That's what a gift is. A gift is a manifestation of the Spirit. He's the one that's giving the gift. He's the one that's going to work the gift out in your life. Peter says it this way. Each one should use whatever gift they've received to serve others, faithfully administrating God's grace in its various forms. Can't be much clearer, can it? It's exactly what it's all about. God knows what he wants you to have for your role in his body and by his grace he gives it to you. But thirdly, what is the outcome of knowing your spiritual gifts? Well, I think the best way to say this is that they release people into living out their spiritual purpose. They release you to live out your spiritual purpose. Now, what's LifeGate's vision? To see people live in the freedom and the purpose. That's right. So actually knowing your gifts is actually going to help you to fulfil the vision here of LifeGate, which, by the way, is not just LifeGate's vision. It's actually contained in the Word of God. We've just tried to sum it up. And the purpose that God has for us is to live out what he has dropped into us. And this is, if you're saying, well, how do I live in the freedom and purpose that Jesus has to offer? Well, this is one of the way of actually finding your purpose, which is why we're getting you to look at your gifts. We as a leadership of the church want to release you into your gifts because that's where you will find actually the freedom that God has for you as you step into what he wants from you and desires for you to learn and to teach and to bless the rest of the church, and which glorifies him. That's why we're doing this, so that you can find this purpose and be released to move with what God wants from you. Now, you will know your spiritual job, job description, if, if I can say it that way. I'm trying to put it back into the terms of me being the the tradie here, but you, you will know what your spiritual job, job description is. It helps you as you go through it. You'll have a sense of where you fit into the body life of the church. I mean, and this is what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12, which I think Nathan touched on last week. But you'll know what part of the body, okay, that he, he you know, whether you're the ear or the legs or the arm, whatever part of the body you are, it gives you that opportunity to, to do this. There'll be greater unity will be experienced as the body works together as one. That's what we're looking at this year, isn't it? It's our theme for this year, one. Well, the great thing about knowing your gift is actually come together as one. Because you're not doing things that aren't your gifts. You're actually finding out what you, you know, what the, your DNA as it is, what makes you tick, who you are, and you start doing that, and that builds unity amongst the people. It, I think it would be quite interesting that if I was to imagine that as an electrician on the worksite, I was the most important tradesman on the worksite. Yes, electricians are the most important people on a worksite. Where's Harvey? You think that's true, Harvey? I say an amen, because Harvey's an electrician <laughs> on a worksite. It's funny how you can get onto a worksite and go, I am the most important one. The, the horrible thing about electricians is you can do all that work and no one, no one, they just go, what have you done? I, I can see a switch there and a light there, but what else have you done? Because it's all hidden, you see. I think a plasterer has a better job. People walk in and go, wow. But it would be terrible to think that, you know, as an electrician, I'm the most important person on the job site. Well, that's, that's not how it works. Greater unity will be experienced as the body works together. 
Knowing your gifting helps to remove negative attitudes against others. You see, things like pride, (laughs) aren't I the best? Or envy, oh, I really want that gift. I actually want to be up here on on the platform where Ken is. I know you're all saying that, don't you? You know, and others, it stops also the other side of, of pride, is false humility. Oh, I don't, shouldn't be up here, really, should I? You know? Well, it cuts all that out. Because who is it that gives the gift? The Holy Spirit. So I'm only up here doing, uh, being obedient and living out what he has given me. That's all it is, okay? And I enjoy that. It's where I sit. It's my DNA. It makes my heart beat. So I get to do that and you get to experience the growth of that. But you know what? You will have a gift and I get to experience your growth back to me as you know what those gifts are. The whole body will mature. The whole body will mature. Paul said it this way. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers. Now all those are gifts, by the way, but here he's actually talking about them as roles. Okay? Which, but in other um, lists that he has, uh, Romans... Uh, 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and uh, where's the other one? Ephesians. This is the Ephesians one. There's these kind of lists that you have. He says this. What are they for? They're to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. The body of Christ may be built up. That's why they're there. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, we become mature. Hey, I want us all to be mature. And you have a role in doing that, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness. Well, Paul uses lots of words sometimes. But you can see what he's trying to say. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That's what gifts are for. As you use it and work to build up the church. And the fourth one, God is glorified. Peter said it this way. Each one should use whatever gift they have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms, If anyone speaks, they should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength that God provides. And here it is. So that in all things God may be praised. That's why you have your gift. So God can be praised. Through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. To him be the glory and the power. That's who we give our gifts back to. We acknowledge him and we praise him for it. Because glorifying God is our ultimate goal in all that we have been given and all that we do. So what gifts are not? Let me show you the other side of it to balance out because this is really important. I have these questions come to me quite often. Do not confuse gifts with natural talents. Okay. Every human being has natural talents. And as with gifts, there are certain variations in degrees and differences. Okay? Let me try and explain it to you. Talents are features that give every human being a unique personality. So they're more like your personality. But they're not directly to do with being a follower of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, you can be a good athlete, but I don't think that's a gift. I had a story from Pete the other day, riding, how many kilometres was it, Pete? 90 kilometres on his bike, down and up a hill. And I'm not talking about a little hill. This is like this. Now, he is a good athlete, but I don't definitely, I don't think that's a gift. It's a great talent to have. I wish I had it. I don't have it. 
You can be a great cook. Now, this is even one I probably like more than athletes. You can be a great cook like Dave, yes. <laughs> or even who, who came to Wednesday night's meal last week? I heard there was a baked dinner on. It was pretty good. Jordan whipped up this baked dinner and blessed everyone into the community. I love great cooks, but I don't think that's a talent, sad to say. Okay? Um, you can even play the piano. It doesn't have to be a gift. You can just be a good piano player. Um, but it applies the other way also. It doesn't mean that you can't be used for God. So even though you have a good talent, a good cook, Jordan is still used by God. It's not a gift, but I'm sure he's using his gifts in the area of cooking. Okay, So he can use his talents for the glory of God, like an accountant. I mean, this is the, the joke of tradies, by the way, is you know the opposite to a tradie, I think, is an accountant. No offence if you're an accountant. But we kind of go, why would you want to sit in an office with a calculator? You know, give me a pair of pliers and a hammer and a screwdriver. I don't get it. But you can be an accountant and be used by God, just like you're a tradesman and used by it's You can still be used. So don't diss you the, 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 the talents that you have. But a person who can fix a car is not gifted in that area. Okay? I love people who fix cars. But it's a talent. That's all it is. We all have them. But spiritual gifts, though, are exclusively for followers of Jesus and they come from the indwelling Holy Spirit. And The reason I say this is because no unbeliever has a spiritual gift. No unbeliever has a spiritual gift because they don't have the Spirit. Every believer has at least one, we are told. Do not confuse spiritual gifts with the fruit of the Spirit. Now, this is very important. Just let me say here, notice it says fruit, not fruits, which I hear people say, no offence, but let me just give you a bit of correction here. It's fruit. It's one fruit. Yes, there's nine that are going to be mentioned, but it is one fruit. Collectively, they make up one unit. Let me give you another one. It's the book of Revelation, not the book of Revelations. Okay? John only got one. Is that right? Nice. <laughs> there are not separate nine fruits. And the reason he says it's fruit is because he wants us to display them all. And if we can, do it all at once because there's only one fruit. What are they? Well, here they are. The fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. And it's there for all Christians. It's the basis in which all gifts function. Well, according to 1 Corinthians 13 it is. What's that all about, 1 Corinthians 13? You get it at weddings. Love. And where does it come? After 1 Corinthians 12, which is all about body, life and gifts. You see, what happens is he wants you to express the fruit through your gifts. I'll say it another way. The fruit of the Spirit is the normal expected outcome of Christian growth and maturity. It's the normal expected outcome of Christ's likeness. It's the normal expected outcome of the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Uh, let me say it this way. Your profession, whether it's an electrician or a teacher, an accountant, whatever it is, should be wrapped in the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? When I am an electrician on someone's house... 
I am displaying all those nine things as I've got my screwdriver and pliers wiring a PowerPoint. That's the way they are revealed, through my lifestyle. Let me say it this way. Your spiritual gift should be wrapped in the fruit of the Spirit. This is very important. What's the use of having the gift of prophecy if you tell people off all the time? (laughs) What's the use of me being up here if I have no self-control? Many uh, speakers from the platform have lost that through having relationships outside of marriage and they've been taken out of ministry. You see, whatever gift you have, it has to be wrapped in the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. That's what you wrap your gift in. That's how you deliver your gift. If you have the gift of service, that's what you give. If you have the gift of martyrdom, I don't know, has anyone got this martyrdom? <laughs> That's what you give. You wrap it in the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Gifts without fruit is like a car tyre without air. It's flat and ineffective. You hear that? Gifts without the fruit is like a car tyre without air. Flat and ineffective. Don't allow that to happen. See, do not confuse spiritual gifts with a Christianity, uh, a Christian's responsibility. When you look at the list of gifts, you will notice that there are some gifts that are also expressions of responsibilities. Look at these. There's the gift of service, but all Christians have to serve. There's the gift of encouragement, but all Christians have the responsibility to encourage others. And there's the gift of evangelist, but all Christians have the responsibility to evangelise. So there's the gift, but there's also our responsibility as a Christian to live that out. And the other thing is do not confuse spiritual gifts with counterfeit gifts. So there's a warning here. John said it this way, for false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. And again, right there, Many will come. And they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy and drive out demons and perform miracles? All these things actually are gifts, those three things. But the Lord's going to turn around and go, hey, I never knew you. I never knew you because they were false. Okay? John says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So how permanent are the spiritual gifts? Well, I'd like to say they're a lifetime gift, okay? I believe they're a lifetime gift. Many Christians will differ with me on this, but I believe they are for these reasons. First of all, they're a lifetime while you're alive, okay? What we do know is when Jesus returns, it seems that they'll cease. We don't need the gifts from this verse when we're in heaven and we're in his light. We will have the fruit, though. Love, joy, peace, patience, that goes on forever. But the gifts cease. See this verse? God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He doesn't take them back. The parts of our body don't change with regard to their basic function. You know, my foot, even though it is still a foot, did not come out of my mum that way. 
Think about that. She's very happy and so is every mum here. But it has grown. So as a body, you have been called to be a foot in the church and hopefully you are growing in your gift. Okay? That's the idea of this. Secondly, finding out what your gifts are make, uh, may take a period of time. I can't, if you've only just filled out the, the survey and gone, I didn't know I had that gift. I don't think it's fair that God would take that away from you if you've never been revealed it. That doesn't make sense because you've only just been shown it. You might have only been a Christian a year and you've only just got it. Imagine if you said you only got six months, sorry, it's gone. And because the other side of it is this, knowing that the gifts are permanent gives us the opportunity to develop them. Let me ask you, if you knew you were going to lose your arms next week in an operation, would you be doing weights on arms this week? No, you'd probably be working on your legs. Okay? So if you knew you were going to lose your gift, would you actually put any effort into learning it? No. God's not going to do that. So it's important that we know these things. So how do we get real and take action? Let's put this down. Well, I reckon you apply it like you would receive a gift or or a or a, uh, a birthday present. Now, my two stepchildren, Bella and Fabs, do something for me every year. It's called Stepfather's Day. Because they can't celebrate Father's Day with me, because they have a father, they do a Stepfather's Day. And last week was Stepfather's Day. They woke me out of a deep sleep, because they let me sleep in on Saturday. They got me up, took me out in the lounge room. There were streamers and there were balloons. And sat me down and they gave me a gift. I was blown away because Stepfather's Day should have been today, by the way, because it's Father's Day in America. This is where we picked the whole thing up from. When we lived in America for a while, they made Stepfather's Day, Father's Day there. But they tricked me. Then they took me to the table and they cooked me pancakes and real coffee. (laughs) Not just the instant stuff I normally get. And it was awesome. Now, isn't that exciting when you, when, you, when you get to celebrate that? Well, I think it's the same with our gifts. You need to discover your spiritual gift. You need to discover it. You need to unwrap it. See what desire, what, what's, what it's for you. Okay? I actually unwrapped my gift and I got pyjamas. <laughs> I didn't wear them to show you. They're not under these clothes. So you have to unwrap it. And I reckon that's why you do the survey. Okay, Because that's all part of the unwrapping of it. Pray about what's revealed to you. Talk about it in your life group tomorrow uh, uh, for the next two weeks, whenever you read. Paul said it this way. He said, all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he gives them to each one just as he determines. Okay, So you have to work with that gift. Your role is to find out what's been given to you so you can live it out. Then develop your spiritual gift. Okay, What does that mean? Well, you've got to figure out what you do with it. I've been giving this gift of service. What do I do with that? What does that mean? Where do I go with that? Well, it's like me taking the pyjamas, if I didn't know what they were, and going, what do I do with these? Well, I quickly figured it out that they weren't something I could wear on the platform and I know where to wear them, into bed at night. Okay, But I've got got to work that out. Don't be silly about this. He's given you a gift. Figure it out. Now, how do you do that? Well, discussion is a good thing. And that's why we're going to meet next Sunday on the veranda and in here at 4pm and then Vision Night on the 27th. We're going to unpack a bit more. You'll have your life group to unpack it in, then you'll have those two opportunities. We'd love to meet with you and unpack. What does that mean? 
So once you know what it is and what they are, allow them to grow within you. Ask God to grow within you. Pray about it. If you know what the gift is, pray about it. You can read books on it. Talk to people who have the same gift. That's a good way of doing it. Okay. Thirdly, use your gift. Don't leave it on the shelf. You've got to live it out, don't you? In other words, I have to wear my pyjamas. It would be a horrible thing if I never put them on. Here, stepdad, you've got a new gift. I unwrap it, I go, great, and put it in the cupboard. What's the use of that? You've got to take your gift, you've got to use it, okay? Use the spiritual gift. I live out my gift for you and you live out yours for me. You see, I need you to live out your gift. I need you to know what your gift is so that I can be a part of it. Let me, in Matthew 25, 14 and 30, and also in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 to 16, these are a couple of verses that talk about how you use that which you're given to you. Now in 25, 30, it talks about talents. It's the parable of the talents. It's very important. That, that actually speaks about money in that parable. But what's more important about this parable is it's, all to do with faithfulness directly related with what you have. Remember the words to the one who had five and grew five more and two grew two more was well done, good and faithful servant. The one who buried it was the one that got into the trouble. In fact, bad trouble. See, what we have given, we want to hear this well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what we want to live out. I'm going to ask the band, you want to come back up? Thank you. My personal desire is to be the best for God, to be the best elbow, the best earlobe, the best toenail, whatever it is he's got for me, I want to be the best for him. Because by being the best for him, I actually help his church to grow. And that's why I need you to be the best for me, so that we together build this. By knowing and doing this, then I live out my purpose throughout my life and that is such a great thing to have in our lives if you know what your purpose is then you can get on and do it and fulfill the quest that God actually has for you in where you go in this church thanks